Welcome, everybody, to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Welcome, everybody, to the AJ Osborne Podcast. And today, I have a great great guest. We're going to be talking about uh, moving, starting a business and moving into real estate, how he did that, that transition. And the thing that I love most about the subject and about this guest is I think a lot of times when we talk about business income to real estate income and entrepreneurship, uh, it can, it can be really difficult for a lot of people to attach to, because we're talking about a lot of people in business. It's really specific and it's hard to be like, well, you did that business. I don't understand anything about it. Right. So a lot of people like you're an insurance, right. That's complicated or somebody in tech. Um, but I love this because this is a a, a business he's going to dive into that everyone I think can relate to and we can talk about, and then also moving into real estate. It's just so relatable. So with that, I'm going to bring him on so you guys can kind of hear as we uh, have this discussion. How's it going, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, You're down and we were just talking here before we jumped on. You're down just down the road from me in Utah. I'm up here uh, in in Boise and uh, you you get up here every once in a while. So go up to do some spring bear hunts, things like that, which that's what a, a lot of people do do up here in Idaho. But I, I'm sure, how long have you been coming up this way for? Um, like the when, first when's time the first I drove, time? Yeah. Yeah, the first time I drove up, uh, you know, through Boise and up to like Hell's Canyon, the River of No Return yeah. Wilderness. Like guys, if you Great guys like bears. the Western Rockies, like you guys like mountains, definitely check out Hell's Canyon and Incredible. the river of no return wilderness if you guys like backpacking you know a little north of boise is just a magical magical place and so Dude, the frank I, man is where i spent yes. my childhood seriously oh. like eight to ten days in the wilderness never seeing yeah. another soul no one yeah not even a boot track like oh, it's nothing. crazy i mean you can get 20 30 miles from the nearest road yeah um, oh, well, we do 50 to 80 milers through the wilderness just to get back to try to come back to where we were and never see another person yep it's incredible incredible um yeah so i love it i started uh coming up there about three four years ago Nice. And uh, I do one or two trips up there every spring. I love the springtime because all the animals are out and there's a lot of like big, grassy slopes. And yeah. um, there's, of course, thick pines and, and so forth. But in May and stuff, all the animals are out. It's just beautiful. It's yeah. it's uh, it's a magical time of the year to be in the mountains. So I've got a, I've actually got two trips this spring planned uh, to come out that way. So oh, that's awesome. yeah, I love it, man. But I spend a ton of time in the mountains. Like that's what I do for fun. Yeah, I just got too. back from Hawaii. I'm going to tampa um to to shark fish and do a little mastermind thing and um uh i'm a new uh i I met a guy when i did a uh, a challenge down there in tampa but i i'm gonna uh bow fish in the ocean at night um, with the big lights i did that so i did not bow fishing but i did spear fishing in hawaii at night and Dude, that was hands down one of the coolest things I've That's ever awesome. done. It That's was so cool. amazing. It just blew my mind. At first, it was like creepy. Like we're yeah, yeah. out in the middle of the ocean. You can't see anything. And yeah. you're just like, you know, for you know, for us that grew up in the inner inner Rockies, you know, I didn't I didn't see the ocean until I was like 16. It's a weird feeling. 
you know, yeah. but, um, it was a next level experience. I loved it. Yeah. Two weeks ago, I was, was it two weeks ago. No, it was last week. I was in, 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 uh, Hawaii. I was in Maui and we were spear fishing and I got what's called a trigger fish. And if you, if you Google, <laughs> Google trigger fish, they have teeth like human teeth, little mini human teeth. I, yes. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I had one bite me and I had no. like little human mark bite marks on my arm, dude. It was crazy. That is nuts. <laughs> yeah. That is the weirdest thing. I, I saw a picture of that. I'm like, is this like, it looks Photoshopped. It legit right? looks not <laughs> real. Like yeah. it's like yeah. children, like a child smiling on a fish. So weird. Yeah. Creepy looking fish. And that's got like a little unicorn horn on it. Yeah. Too. Like weird looking fish. Wow, that's yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love being outside. I love, love the adventures and I go to Alaska every year now. And yep, me too. I, know, but I, I used to do it a lot more, but I took my 13 year old. So she, she became a teenager. So I took her on a, uh, packing or a back country, excuse me, fly fishing trip in, um, uh, in the, early summer before the salmon were running. So nobody was up there. And we went to out in the middle of nowhere. Like it was two planes, uh, two plane flights, a bush plane. And wow. the, there's this, like I say lodge, but it's just like mobile stuff put on the ground. Cause you can't have structures out there mm. and everything like wall tents, like canvas wall tents. No. They, so they were like, it's like, they took a barge up the river and it was almost mm. like mobile, like homes, but they were mobile, like lodge things. And they took them oh. off the barge and put them up on the side of the river. So Weird. it That's was crazy. crazy, but, um, it was you know, it's so it's it was in the Katamai region, which is you know mm. that big peninsula. They have uh, that's where they have more grizzly bears per square mile than like anywhere in the world or something crazy. Um, and these huge lakes up at the top of the big mountains, the Katamai, the salmon or excuse me, the trout that are there, they feast on salmon eggs, everything. So they're mm -hmm. ginormous trout, just absolutely <laughs> massive. And it, there's no salmon running at the time, so nobody's up there. And she was becoming a teenager. So I'm like, we're going out. You're now a teenager. You're having a daughter daddy experience. We're going to so go cool. in the back country because I was worried that, you know, she's going to become a teenager and too cool for dad. And I'm like, you know, whatever it was, seven, eight days all by ourselves in the middle of nowhere. Right. We had uh, it was great, though, because the staff was getting ready for Sa uh, salmon coming. And that's when all the all the tourists and everybody come. So yeah. we had this like little lodge and these outhouses and the staff and us, nobody else was there. And the staff had been there for a month trying to get ready. And we were the only ones there. And so they were so excited that we were there. Right. And they, they hadn't seen anybody in a month. Right. And they just were happy to serve us. So we just all hung out. We played cards at night, zero reception. There was no electronics, right? No, nothing. And mm -hmm. so we just hung out with the staff at night and we fished from seven till like eight o'clock at night on the river every single day. And she like was a trooper killed it. Got amazing fish. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Do you get how, where do you go when you go up there? Um, I I've gone to a bunch of different places, you know, but dude, what a cool experience you had with your daughter, dude. It was, that's all awesome, man. It was like, it, you know, I, I, after I got back, I, I, I have four kids, so I'm going to do it with every one of my kids when mm -hmm. they turn 13, when they become 13. my dad did that with me when I was 
15 or 16. And for, you know, uh, a kid from Idaho, which at the time too, Boise was, Idaho was very small. We had 1.2 million people in the entire state, I think at the time. Yeah. It was just crazy. Yeah. It was nothing. Now, right? Bo- now Boise's like a million, yeah. isn't it? Million five? Yeah. It's, it's crazy, yeah. dude, what's happened. Yeah. But I spent all my time in the wilderness. So for me, it was just me and my dad. And we went and I got to get salmon, everything, but um, it was really memorable. So I was like, I'm going to do that with every one of my kids because it meant so much to me and give them that one-on-one time that can be really hard. So cool. cool. You know, that's, that's one of my favorite things that entrepreneurship's allowed me. And uh, it wasn't always that way is, is that right there, those moments, those experiences. And someone listening to this is like, man, these guys are hillbillies. I don't want to go live in the mountains, you know, but but to be able to spend one-on-one time with, you know, your kids, your spouse, your, you know, your significant other, like the people that mean something, your friends and have, I don't know, have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty incredible, dude. It's, and it makes the hard work worth it. So like, yeah. you know, I say, you know, people are like, AJ, you work hard and, and you work a lot. I'm like, yeah, but I work when I want to. So if I, I it's, you know, we talk a lot about lifestyle by design, right? And creating um, an economic situation in which you can do the things that you want to do when you want to do it. And I can work hard when I want to, and when I want to grow and I can set up systems in place. And, you know, that's really the benefit of this. This is what we're talking about. We're talking, you know, financial independence. Well, it's why I have this podcast. It means so much to me. And I love when you talk about your business, first of all, which you started, which is great because it's, it's like I said before, it's so relatable. Um, but then your transition into real estate, which is a very kind of a a different thing. So what, before I dive into that, the audience probably doesn't know, why don't you tell them about that? Tell them about your, um, uh, you're starting your business, moving into real estate. Give, give us kind of the background and we can discuss more. Yeah. So I was raised, um, by a pretty tough guy. You know, my dad's name, Steve, good dude. He fell very far from the tree, um, from his family. His dad was a gambler and alcoholic and, you know, he had to ask food from his neighbors to feed his younger siblings. And, um, when he was a young teenager, his parents, dude, that's were like my dad, my dad, yeah. my dad's dad died. He was not homeless, but they lived in a shack and he didn't have running water and he had to poach for food. Jeez, man. Wow. They're out there shooting deer to feed their families. That's crazy. When he was like 12, he had to go harvest wood in the mountains to try to sell so he could try to get things and didn't even have running water. So yeah, man, I no, I get that tough, tough situations, tough you know, backgrounds make tough people. And my dad was a tough man, you know, and he said it was his way or the highway. Uh, I have uh, three brothers and a sister and, you know, he treated us boys like men at a very young age. Um, There was no whining, no excuses. You know, we worked from the time we were very young. I started working when I was 11 years old with the family business, mowing lawns and that kind of stuff. I I started working on the farm when I was 11. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good thing, right? It teaches you work ethic and character. And so the greatest gift I was ever given from my father was a work ethic and integrity. 100%. Right. Like, because those things can take you pretty darn far. Yes, Um, they can. And um, and intelligence you know, without it is nothing. <laughs> yeah. I always told myself that was the kind of the funny thing. Like that was kind of what the evolution was is I always told myself I was stupid. So I had to hustle real hard. 
Me and too. it wasn't until I was ADHD. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> yeah. do good in school. And so my only, I was like, listen, my advantage here is that I will outwork every single living soul. And I knew that was what I had to do. That was my advantage. Yeah. yeah and I, I don't know if you overcame it or, or, or yeah. I assume you did, yes. right? Yes. I, you, I overcame it. it. And then I, I focused more on my knowledge and leveraging systems and skills as opposed to, cause I, you know, like you did a lot like what I did cause you had a window washing business, which was all hustle, right? Which was yeah. similar. I was in insurance, but it was sales. So yeah, I was hustling. I was hustle. knocking doors, right? Yeah. I was business, business, calling, calling every single day. And I knew I could out call and out work. And that only worked for so long. And it was like, yeah. this is not a sustainable thing. There's burnout. There's no growth beyond the hustle. You stop hustling, things stop. And it, yeah, it yep. was hard. So when I was 17, I had already gone through all sorts of stuff. When I was 15, I stopped working for the family business. Um, I started doing finished carpentry and framing houses. Um, you know, I had other night jobs. I did I actually worked in a taxidermy shop um, at nights doing the nastiest work ever. Um, you know, fleshing capes and birds and stuff was horrible. And I, I worked for a vet vet clinic and people are always shocked when I tell them, they're like, oh, what'd you do? I'm like, I took all the dead animals to the dump. That was my job. And they're like, oh man, what? I'm like, yeah, that's what they do. They take them to the dump. They're like, what? Fluffy? That they, you have to take them to I'm like, yeah, that was my job. That's what I did. Oh, I loaded man. up dead animals and took them to the dump. Oh, <laughs> so dude, bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when you're young um, and, you know, my dad cut me off financially when I was 16. Whoa. So, yeah, he Whoa, said dude, that was said, very different for me. <laughs> yeah. Not me. Like they like they paid for my housing and for my food. My dad said, you're a man now. You're responsible. He wouldn't even co-sign a loan for a truck. Wow. He said, if you want a truck bad enough, you get the cash. So my junior year. Um, you know, finished my junior year and it was struggle is that's when I turned 16. And I was like, okay, I can't make seven bucks an hour, six bucks an hour and cover everything. I wanted to play high school basketball. I had to pay for all that. I wanted to, um, you know, get a driver's license and driver's insurance and gas to borrow my dad's truck. And I, I had expenses. I had living expenses. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, I can't just keep trading time for hours. Yeah. I found out that if I could get a business license, I could write off work release hours, still get school credit and be in charge of my own time and make this money. Instead 16? Of going yeah. So at 17 is when I started like, yeah, how do I get wow. Yeah. How do I get through this? And, um, you know, my dad was, was tough and I would, I would complain or say something. He said, son, I don't want excuses. I want results. And I hated him for it at the time. Greatest thing he ever gave me because it made yeah. me very resourceful. Yeah. And um, so my junior year summer, I had an opportunity to go to Nova Scotia, Canada and work 80 hour work weeks. Um, stayed in this little tiny bunkhouse. I did landscaping, hard manual labor. Remember at nights, my hands would cramp up because they were so beat up. What, what were you doing? I was doing landscaping. I was oh, doing yeah, retaining yeah. walls yes. and throwing sod. Dude, and raking. what in the world? I, like, the, we're, so we're like the same person. At 17, I, <laughs> I worked at landscaping. I dug ditches and created like waterfalls, like moved rocks yeah. and dug yeah. pipelines. Water features. Yeah. 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 So that's what I was doing. And I was doing that from about 8 to about 5, 6 p.m. 
Um, and, and then early before that, I would spend about two hours doing chores on the summer home that we were staying at. We were staying in like the little bunkhouse outside, taking care of seven acres. And it used to be an old tree farm, three trout ponds, like just magnificent. It was right on the shorefront. You could see Prince Edward Island and all wow. the crab buoys out wow. there. It's beautiful. It's a magical place. But I'd get up at about 530 in the morning, work till about 8 um, a.m. when it was time to go work with the landscaping crews, go yeah. off and, and all over and work come back at about five. And then from five to nine, I would work more on the property, cleaning windows, taking out the trash, filling the bird feeders, mowing lawns, you know, clearing debris from the thousands of trees on the property. Um, it was never ending. And at nights I would have to, like, I would wake up in pain because my hands would be cramped up and I'd have to open up my hands with my forearms and stretch out my muscles. Yes. Um, they, uh, it terrified that, me. Yep. That clamping shovels all day, dude, that, yeah. uh, huh. Yeah. And so, you know, and I did this because I wanted to have enough cash to do what I wanted, which was to start a business. Because if I could start a business, I could quit trading time for money, but I needed yeah. a truck. I needed a cell phone. Um, and so when I got home from that, I bought my first truck cash, um, I was able to get my first smart or my first phone. They didn't even have smartphones until the year after I graduated, but I bought this little candy bar phone from Cricket because Cricket was the only place they allowed you to get a phone without having credit score or being 18 mm. years old. So, you know, I was figuring out all this stuff on my own. And this is before Just figuring really it out. even had a computer or anything. And I remember like researching what business do I start? And window cleaning was something that I could afford to start. I wasn't even sure how much money you could make. Uh, I remember opening the yellow pages and calling one of the window cleaning companies and saying, hey, can you give my dad a bid? He needs a bid on his house. And I had to come out to my house and give me a bid and figured out what, how to price stuff. I had no idea really how to wash windows. But I went door to door from my parents' house because I didn't, I couldn't afford gas. I yeah. depleted all of my savings to get set up. And I remember I couldn't even afford a bucket, like a professional window cleaning bucket yeah. or even a holster. I went down the street at a construction site, got an old empty paint bucket and cleaned that out. And that's what I started with in a squeegee and an applicator, a little scrubber. And I went door to door. And I remember the first day I made a hundred bucks. And then I remember the first day I made a thousand, the first day I made 2000, I started, you know, I had my first employee when I was 17 and, um, you know, I served a, a Christian mission at 19 years old. I went to Sao Paulo, Brazil, but before Me I too. left, I lived in, in Sao Paulo. Oh, no way. Yeah, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. Interlagos. I lived in, uh, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah so you're the mission, mission North of me. I was, uh, Sao Paulo South. Oh yeah. Right on, yep. dude. Yeah. I love yep. this. So I've been back several mm -hmm. times and, um, but yeah, Interlagos. I, yeah, I loved, uh, That's you cool. know, we were kind of, so if you were the South, we were, we were both on that, that Southern favela side. Uh, yeah. so yep. Not like the nice n North end there of Sao Paulo, but yeah, Brazil's right. incredible. Yeah. I served all over. I served in like the more wealthy areas of Sao Paulo because uh, the, my mission area was that area. And then down South along the beach. Oh, so I served. Yeah. In Cause you Santos went up to and Santos and you also mm -hmm. got, uh, the nicer area of Sao Paulo up. We were yep. right on the border. Uh, what's it called? Um, Oh shoot. Where all the, it's like where the Americans would live too. And, and kind of the big mm. gated communities, we didn't ever go there, yeah. but um, right. yeah, no, no, no. To crazy place. Right. That it, that's a, perspective change living oh, yeah. in those favelas and everything like I, I don't know what year you were there i was in the early 2000s like 2001 and um yeah. i got home was, in 2010 
Okay. Or, yeah. Yeah. 2010 was, I got home from that. So, but before I had left, I, you know, I paid for that mission. I had paid for all of it and, yeah. and it was about $10,000. So me too. From the, I paid for mine. Dude, we're like, the, what is this? This is crazy. Yeah, It's crazy. We're just like the same people. Uh, it's nuts. So, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I had saved up all that money. And then on top of paying for the mission, I also had saved another 10 grand and put it in savings. Um, so I had, you know, accumulated 20 grand um, in the matter of about a year and a half doing school, doing basketball and everything else, I worked my butt off and, um, you know, I came back from that experience in Brazil. Uh, I ended up marrying a Brazilian girl. I love her to death. I've been back to Brazil a ton. Um, you know, I learned Portuguese and, uh, it was a really good experience. And it was kind of the first time that I realized I wasn't as dumb maybe as I thought I was, I could learn another language. Dude, me too. I, when, when, <laughs> when they sent me to Brazil, dude, to tell you, I was terrified. I didn't know English. Like literally I'm, I was a dyslexic <laughs> kid. I'm like, I can't even write in my own language. You want me to learn another. And for anyone that doesn't understand uh, kind of what we're talking about here, let me explain. Like, I don't know about your mission, but you're not allowed to speak English. So it's not like you oh, go really? down there and you're like you're serving. No, you only speak Portuguese. Our, we lived with uh, a Brazilian and we call them companions, right? And it was, that's what I did. It was just like, I wasn't allowed to speak Portuguese. We had to 24 seven. So it was, you have to learn. It wasn't like we went down and I was like, oh, English. And I had a translator. No, that's not what we're talking about here. We lived with them and I had to speak it. So it was like, you have to, I was terrified. I'm like, how am I going to learn this? <laughs> right? Yeah. I remember the first day the instructor's like, okay, we're going to learn how to conjugate verbs. And I raised my hand. I was like, what's a verb? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> what's a verb? Could so we start with learn... English and then move me on to Portuguese? <laughs> yeah, I had to learn grammar and composition for another language. And to do that, they would give us examples in our own language. So I learned grammar and composition for English as well as Portuguese. Right? And I understood my own language better. Me too. Right? Yeah. And so I had these cool, this cool experience and the greatest thing that I got from that experience is seeing poverty and, and yes. saying, I promise myself Real I will poverty. take advantage. Yeah, I will take advantage of the of the lottery that I won when I was born and I will work my butt off and I will make a difference and I will yes. help as many people as I possibly can. I have eight Brazilians that work for me. I'm sponsoring multiple Dude. people with their immigration. Oh, that is so awesome. OK, we're going to have to talk offline about this because I'm going to I want to <laughs> I want to participate in that to the fullest. Yeah, I, I love it, right? And yeah. I, um, I, I, I love, I love that experience. I, it was an incredible thing. I grew a ton as a person, and I came home from that. And the first week, I had two trucks and two employees, and I was going to work. And I built that business, um, to the point I had three trucks, thirteen employees. We did just shy of a half a million, um, in sales the last year I did it, and I worked my butt off in that business until pretty much the end of 2016 when I walked away from it. Why'd you walk away? Cause it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I walked yeah. away. There was a handful of reasons more than anything. I was not fulfilled. And I really, from the outside looking in, I was way more successful and I was, I was only paying myself. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say I was only, I was making probably 50 to $60,000 a year. After all of that hard work, I was working crazy hours. I was yeah. constantly hustling, still Giving going your knocking life in the evenings. 
my life to it. And I had brought on a business partner that had different visions for it and didn't give the same amount of efforts to it. Mm-hmm. And that was a struggle. And I was paycheck to paycheck. And I remember, I remember when I, you know, this was before I walked away. This was a couple years before, two, three years before uh, my oldest was born and I couldn't afford the medical bills. And I remember thinking, how am I going to afford to pay for this? And so the whole day, you know, that he was born and we're there at the hospital, I was sick to my stomach because I was so stressed about the money and I was so upset with myself. I felt like I was failing my family. I felt like a failure as a provider and a father and everything that I wanted to be and everything that I had promised myself I would become on my mission. Mm -hmm. And I then was upset with myself that I was worried about money on the day my son was born. Yeah. So I'm, I, I was in a bad place emotionally. It sucked. Yeah. And, um, I knew something had to change when I was 14 year old years old. I had actually read rich dad, poor dad. Um, because I remember asking my dad, like, why, why are we mowing lawns? Why are yeah. we living where we're living? Why do people have mansions and we don't? What's the difference? And he yeah. told me to talk to his wealthy friend and he gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I read that at 14 and you know that was kind of what made me want to be an entrepreneur in the first place. Yeah. But he had talked a lot, you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki talks a lot about real estate and the perks of real estate. And so I was like, you know what? I need to get back to this. I need to get into real estate. And so that's when we bought a duplex and lived in one side and we started doing more, yeah. right? We started, you know, I tried flipping a house, which was a complete bust. And I started listening to podcasts and listening to, um, you know, books as I washed windows. I was trying to find a way to transition out of a business that just wasn't fulfilling me. I didn't go to Alaska every year and Hawaii yeah. and I didn't have the freedoms or the money that I do now, but I, I knew that there was a possibility because I had seen other people have that. Yeah. And I wanted to give that to my family. So that's what pushed me. It was pain. It was misery. Yeah. It was being dissatisfied with where I was that pushed me to to get into real estate. You know, it's it's just crazy, dude. We we kind of have like mirror image stories. There's uh some different definite differences. My my dad was an extraordinarily successful insurance salesman. I mean, you're talking Fortune 500 companies went to him. He was the number one in the state. And I grew up, so he came from poverty. My mom was a farmer, right? And I watched him as my family went from, um, you know, being middle class. Um, and uh, it was... I got home from my mission, right? And my dad all of a sudden was way more successful than I understood. And it was like, he's like, okay, you've worked all these hard labor jobs, everything. Cause I assumed that's what I was going to do. Like, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll be a forester and hike through the mountains and, or I'll go work doing something like that. He's like, now you need to learn something different. You need to learn to take that hard work, use your mind. And he taught me about things like residual income. But when I applied that to sales and we were making like really good money, right? Like we were, he was incredible at it and I was really good at it. I started doing like mergers and acquisitions and all of a sudden I got to a point where just like you, it was like, you know, we were making good money, but I'm like, this is a treadmill, meaning it, it, I can never stop. 
if I'm not directly working, it stopped. And then all of a sudden I started to be like, am I giving my life up for this? Is this money worth it? Is this how I want to live? And I started talking to my dad about it. I'm like, dad, how do you retire? Like if you retire, your clients stop paying for you. How does this end? Right. And it was this idea that we don't have residual income. We don't have equity. We don't have uh, this. It's dependent on us. And that was the reason we shifted into real estate was because we, it it was kind of like we wanted to have our cake and eat it too. Right. But it was like, (laughs) we knew that we had to have a change because we were just going to literally work ourselves until we died because there was no alternative. And we were owned by the clients. If they called, I hopped. It didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. If my client called, I hopped. If not, I was fired. And uh, so it was like, man, I have all these bosses and they own me. So I, I totally relate to that. Yeah, that they're going to keep the secrets to themselves and they're not going to share the information. And they think that 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 they're afraid that if they teach or help you, they're going to make less because there'll be more competition. And there are some people that will be that way. But one thing that I have loved, absolutely loved about being successful and being on podcasts and, you know, having my YouTube channel and doing all these cool things to help people is I've been connected with awesome people like yourself, where a lot of our stories are the same. You know, people listening to this, and many of you are probably very successful entrepreneurs, and you see this, right? And 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 one thing that I found is if I'm successful and I help someone else be successful, I'll be even more successful. Our economy is all connected. If yeah. one business does well, well, the next business does well. And if the city does well, the state, the, the country, the world we're connected right and so it's it's just been incredible 100%. to to you know see how similar all of our stories connected. are they're a struggle they're the other hard they're not easy it is not you a know? net and loss one of the biggest things that i think yes. that keeps people from being successful is not that they don't work yes. hard there's a lot of people that probably work harder than me and they make much less and yeah. what's the difference It's more than anything, they're not going for something that they really want to go for because they have fear that they'll fail and they don't have the confidence in themselves to go for it, to be an entrepreneur, to do their own thing. And, you know, my mission, much less um, over the last three years now of my life, I, you know, I, six years ago is when everything changed for me and I had financial freedom and paid off my debts and started building wealth and became a millionaire and like had those freedoms. The last three years of my life, all of my focus has been empowering and giving people confidence and belief in themselves and giving people that, that, I don't know, that permission, I guess, to, to believe in themselves and to go for it. And it's just been an incredible experience, you know, and, and, Well, I think that your mindset here, you're talking about, you're talking about, you know, sharing everything. It's, it's a very big, different mindset. I think you're right. I think um, there's a few people that don't, they're the outliers, but then there's a lot that do, but then there's others that have that and they really do something about it. Meaning like you, you get on podcasts, you talk about it. You're like, I'm willing this. That was the route I took. That's why we're obviously talking on a podcast where it was like in this industry, which I was in self-storage, it was like, 
if I, I thought if I could make everyone better, the industry does better. The um, municipalities like us and a rising tide lifts all boats. They're raising their rates. I can raise rate, right? It's not this limited concept. And because of that, and because I said, I'm going to share everything openly, 100%, I'm not going to charge it for anything. Deals and opportunities started flooding in. Then it became hard to even manage the opportunities. And so it was like, we're not limited because of it, but we are a hundred times because of it. And I think really successful and wealthy people, they, they get that. And they understand that if I can help you, I, I can make everything better. And usually I think though, you got to understand, it's like, you got to help. Like it's not a net thing. So you should never expect, oh, I'm helping you to get something back. That's not how it works at all. And if you go into it, that's not how it works. It means that you are just trying to make conditions better. And because of that, your own conditions get better. So by making conditions better for other people, your own conditions naturally get better. And it's a self-fulfilling thing. It's not a one-for-one. I have no expectations of giving information out and giving something back. Zero, none. And because of that, though, our conditions get better. Maybe it's because we become better. I, I really don't know or understand. I don't really care. I haven't really thought about that much. Just the fact that we need to do more and we need to give more. And this stuff takes time, people. This is hard work getting on producing content, podcast. I mean, it's it's a like a it's a lot of work. And so I think some people have that abundance mindset, but they don't go through the work to do it. So good on you for actually putting in the hours and the work and getting out there because it, it is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, my, my content schedule is I do two podcasts on my own podcast. I do two other people's podcasts. Um, I do two emails, two YouTube videos, five TikToks, three Instagram reels uh, every single week. That's me too. Yeah. I have right? two it's podcasts, crazy. two YouTube channels. I do other people's podcasts, or YouTube channels. So it's a, half time job that I have to get up either super early yesterday. I was in the office at 4am woke up, came in and I'm just trying to get all the pockets done. Cause I own six other businesses that I have to run as well. Right. But it's something that I value. It's a way of giving back and it, it would be easy to shut off. I don't need to necessarily do it. And it's amazing too. You know, you do it and you, there's a segment of the population that just gives you crap. Yeah. Like, well, it's I, like, they just, they hate on you for it. And you're like, what are you, what are you thinking I'm doing here? Like, it's, you know, you don't need to like it. I don't care. You don't need to agree, but why are you upset that somebody is telling what they know and what's worked for them? I don't get it. Well, I think the biggest thing is, um, you're always going to have a section of audience that doesn't like you and a section that is grateful for you. And, uh, what is the saying, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Yes. And the cool thing about social media and the internet that I didn't experience growing up that we have now is just an everyday thing is we're able to find people that think like us, dream like us and work and grow so much faster personally because we have these little groups, these little communities online that can support us and help us. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want I don't want the audience to think that I'm bragging when I say all this content and all this stuff that I'm doing and look at me, look how good I am. I don't want th that to be your guys' thought of why I said what I said about the content creation. I I'm, I'm hoping to, 
to give you guys something that's blessed my life so you guys can do the same. So I read a book um, called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Love that. Book. And he said, whatever, whatever you read, whatever you learn, you, you learn it and read it to teach it. Because if you do that, you'll retain so much more. And uh, towards the end of 2018, I had read a self-help journal called Living Your Best Year Ever by Darren Hardy. And in there, it said, you know, you create three big goals for yourself for that year, right? And then you journal about it throughout the year. And those first hundred pages, you're creating the goals. It's talking about who you need to be, what you have to do to accomplish those goals and what your goals should be. So one of my goals was to generate a million dollars that year, just a million, right? And I was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But one of the things I said is I had to give away whatever I want to receive. I had to give love if I want to receive love. I had to give money if I wanted to, you know, make money. So I was like, okay, I have to give away a million dollars. So I I was like, okay, I'm going to take this serious. I'm not going to give the million bucks, but I'm going to teach other people for, you know, I'm just going to teach them. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to become a coach and charge. No, I'm going to put a million dollars in 10 people's pockets. So I found 10 people that were like uh, co-students of other programs I've been a part of. I was like, hey, like, I want to teach you guys what I've been doing to make money and help you because I have this personal goal. And so I started teaching all these people, like just to teach them, just to, I, I had no idea if it would work. Yeah. But I wanted to take it serious. It was in alignment with my core values. I was like, let's try. And the more I taught and served and helped my, stu- you know, my students, I guess you could call them. They were yeah. just friends. The more I shared, the more I realized how many mistakes I had in my own business. Yeah. Like one of my biggest mistakes was um, like the dumbest, silliest, you know, <sighs> painful ones was I was sending postcards and I, you know, to, to people that may want to sell their house, my average deal per, you know, my average deal size was 30 grand. So I missed out on a deal. It's $30,000. Right. So I'm sending these postcards and I said, call or text me if you'd like an offer. And I was getting calls and making money off these postcards. And a student's like, Zach, I have my tracking phone number on the card, but I'm not sure. um, I'm not sure if I'm receiving uh, text messages. How do you set that up? And I was like, I've never received the text message. <laughs> yeah. So I have hundreds of thousands of dollars of leads, like completely gone. Oh. And oh, dude, it was so painful. But it, like, if I hadn't have been helping that person, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have caught have it until much yeah. longer. Yeah. yeah. I may have, may have found it, but much further down the road. And yeah. so I found that like the more you help other people, the sharper your skills will be. And so when I say like, I'm doing all this content, yeah, it's actually kind of for selfish reasons too. Oh, 100%. because I develop, yeah. I develop, I have deals yeah. come to me. I have a lot of success because I'm helping other people Yes, and I make money. I have success, but I feel fulfilled by it too. Like I, I have that emotional, like mm-hmm. I'm doing something for others and it feels good. And, you know, hopefully like that's, that's the gold nugget that you guys understand that I was trying to share that you will grow so much more as a person by sharing and teaching what you're doing and, and, and and accomplishing. So put yourself in those communities, put yourself in those Facebook groups and those real estate investors association groups in your area, find some like-minded individuals and share what you're learning and like grow with someone else. It's going to be so fulfilling. And, and two, you know, you got to understand that in, 
economy, you know, we believe, like you said, everybody's linked together. You need to be able to explain and express your ideas, your values, because you need to attract the right people because no one is successful on an island. You need people to come together. You need to be able to explain what you're trying to accomplish while why you're trying to accomplish it. And putting out content is just how I do that. Right. And it's a way that I can um, empower through teaching, explaining, and simultaneously I'm sharpening my skills and I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm actually finding flaws in some of my thoughts and my processes and I change, right? So it's like a speed up for you to enhance, grow, change. You take feedback, even negative feedback, and you can analyze it and figure it out. It, it closes feedback loops way quicker and it connects you with people that have the same values and are trying to do the same thing. Then the resources to accomplish goals and everything just explodes. So a, a lot of people, you're like, well, it may not be, that's not for me. And I'm like, hold on, you don't need to do podcasts. You don't need, maybe it's just written. Maybe you do a blog, right? Maybe you do it. But you are talking to people and investing. You need to talk to people. You need to talk to brokers or whoever that may be or whatever that looks like, right? So I'm just communicating and trying to talk to those people, those brokers, those investors, anybody that has a deal, people that may want to work with me on a bigger scale. That's all I'm doing. And I learned that really quick. I'm like, I'm doing the exact same thing I was doing, selling door to door, saying, hey, no, I have value. What are you doing? Why don't I, why don't we consult? Why don't we do this, right? It's the same thing, just on a bigger mass scale, except I have no ask. And that is really cool and amazing. And I, and I would suggest anybody that they should try to do content. And when we say content, just give back in a medium and information and teach and things on a medium that fits you, whatever that medium is. I'm better yeah. at long form content than short form content, right? Reels or TikTok, right? I don't do very good on it podcasts and YouTube videos are much easier for me because I'm better at long form content. So that's what I do. It's not for everybody, but you should be giving the information that you have back and trying to surround yourself and find your tribe and people that are doing better um, and help them out in the process. It's a, it's a, it's an awesome thing. I, I really do love it too. Now, where, now tell me here, I know you got to go here in just a minute. Um, where are you going? Like, what are your plans? What are you trying to accomplish now? Uh, you're in real estate. What, what, what do you want to do? Well, you know, I could share this, this next goal. Um, you know, I feel like I'm living exactly what I want to be living, but you know, as far as my investment company, my real estate wholesaling company, um, we are going to flip around 36 houses this year. Um, and then on top of that, we'll wholesale 60 houses. So meaning the 36 we'll buy, we'll renovate, we'll sell for top dollar 60 of them. We find it a discount through marketing and pass that opportunity on to another investor for a finder's fee, um, generate well over $2 million in profits. And, uh, you know, that's my main core business. Uh, I, I, I plan to, um, purchase enough rentals to increase my net worth by a million dollars this year. So like that's, that's the financial goal there. I spend so much of my time though, helping and giving back and serving. Um, that's where I spend most of my time. I find so much fulfillment there. Um, it's kind of a, a money pit <laughs> at this point, but mm -hmm. it's so fun and uh, so fulfilling and uh, spend a ton of time with my family you know, one thing that I, I love doing is helping people get their start because I remember how terrifying and how hard it was to go from, you know, like barely having enough money to this 
terrifying concept of making millions, spending millions, investing into real estate. I was like, how do you get there? How do you get started? Um, so I actually created some free content, like day by day uh, documentary that I did to help people. It's free. I'm not selling you guys anything. Um, so I went to uh, Tampa. So I'm in Utah, right? And I was like, okay, hey, I got to go somewhere I've never been because I need people to see like from start bootstrapping, having no resources, no money, no connections, no experience with where I'm at. So I took a thousand bucks. I flew to Tampa. I had my smartphone and a car. Um, and I even sent my family down to Brazil. Why I did this challenge? I didn't even get to be with my family. It was horrible. It was so hard. And uh, the goal was to turn that thousand dollars into the average American income, which is forty thousand dollars in just forty days. And um, so I had to find deeply discounted deals and pass them on for a profit, right? No, no risk, no debt. And so I documented that challenge day by day. And I actually turned that $1,000 into $93,000 cash that I made passing on three opportunities. And I actually purchased two rentals um, that I got for about $110,000 for both of them. They were worth about two hundred and twenty, um, fully remodeled with tenants in place. After paying my financing, um, I was I was making almost a thousand dollars a month cash flow on top of it. So in just forty days, I was able to do all that and documented it day by day for everyone to watch for free. Just That's because really I want cool. to have people to see like the grit, the determination, and how to quickly like have a massive amount of success. And so it's what I've accumulated in knowledge and what I've learned and what I've learned from teaching, what I've learned from doing, what I've learned from my mentors. And I packaged it in a day by day so you guys can watch for free and learn and grow and make a ton of money. So, um, you know, that's kind of something that it's been a, a huge thing that I've worked on and pushing for the last little while. Well, dude, that's awesome. That's really cool. And why don't we tell people, so tell people, first of all, where they can find you and where they can find this so they, they can go to it um, and check it out here before you go. So people can connect with you, watch you on your journey and also see this. I, I, I know I'm going to, I'm going to check this out and watch it. I'm very interested. This is a great story. Cool. So I'm all over social media, whatever platform you want to find me on. Um, you can just search my name, Zach Booth. So it's Z-A-C-K. And the last name is Booth, B-O-O-T-H-E. Um, and then to watch that 40 day challenge, uh, simple link, it's DFD mastery stands for driving for dollars, dfdmastery.com forward slash 40 in 40. So the number 40 in the number 40. So dfdmastery.com forward slash 40 and 40. I assume you'll put it in the show notes. Yep. Um, but that's, that's a great place to, to go check out that content. Awesome. That's, that's, that's great, man. And we'll put that all in everybody go check him out. He's got a hard stop. Thank you so much, dude. The, you know, this is just so fun for me because we have so much in common. So I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on here. I know I told you it'd be around 30 minutes an hour, but, uh, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you on your journey, man. Awesome. Hey, thanks everybody. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, brother.